0: Hola. This is Lorena Junco Margain and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly be
1: on your way. on My Way, part two of Lorena's interview with longtime friend Marissa Garcia, who building on the practice of conscious parenting discussed in part one, expands to conscious living, which she describes as being aware of your trauma and how the struggles of your past are always reflected in your present. The pair discusses the importance of being open to new experiences in order to attract true magic to your life and the strength it takes to admit when you are wrong and properly heal from hardships. Lorena also shares the metaphor of the Lotus and how our most difficult experiences often build or produce the most beautiful. Now to today's episode.
0: Going a little bit personal, and I think that's the only way we're, You and I, we can learn from each other and sharing our hiccups. The past year has been an extremely stressful year. And we were in South Padre Island. The umbrellas needed to be six feet apart. They couldn't put chairs. You, You would go down and sanitize your area. We all became suddenly very territorial because of the big monster, right? You know, elder people are in a more vulnerable situation the vaccine world hadn't started and what we agreed as a family was create a safe bubble where we were all negative and no one would see anyone that was not within the family and this means my extended family so all the cousins etc and we were digging the deepest hole in the world because we were already we kind of became camp counselors like You didn't know what else to do, so let's do the deepest hole. And I remember your daughter very friendly approaching because she's a curious girl and wants to play with a big crowd. And I stand up and I started having a gut reaction. So I tell her, could you please keep your distance? I have an older parent and I need to protect him. And she just stared at me like, what are you talking about? So she just walked in the hall and I told her, this is not normally me, but I will need to go and tell your mother. And I went inside. I was trembling and I was smiling, but I told you, Marisa, we're a little bit, a little bit, maybe (laughs) uh, panicked (laughs) with COVID and we are protecting in a safe bubble. And you were like, course don't worry like super open but your daughter was kicking mm. the sand in our faces because she was very frustrated that we didn't let her in that circle right and I felt terrible that as a kid maybe she couldn't internalize what was really happening right and I think as parents or as human beings sometimes we're stuck in good intentions turning bad with friendships in marriage, in whatever, you name it, you got it. I mean, being alive is being human and erring. But putting that example, how do you extend it from it's not just a parent-child, but more like conscious living?
2: Yeah, relationships. Well, in that example, Lauren, I remember it perfectly well. I saw my child wanting to socialize. Because she had not socialized as she had used to in a normal year. And I could see that when she couldn't socialize or when she was prevented. Yeah, rejected from playing. This triggered her. And she's starting defending or maybe she just acted out, Mm -hmm. you know, in an immature way. So what happens? You know, she doesn't have the maturity. She's very impulsive. And I had to step in and explain to her you know honey this is not accepted there's there's a family here that has their own set of rules it's a pandemic we need to respect their boundaries
0: but what i'm wondering is natalia was also my teacher because yes. i i'm not good at setting boundaries but i was very conscious about not including a kid cuz i know that generates traumas and what makes me wonder is Life is vulnerable. It is. And we will sometimes hurt someone, but you're kind of trying to protect yours. And, and then you're like, there's no win-win situation. No. Is there?
2: I think you were very clear with which ones were your stone boundaries and which ones are sand boundaries. And that is a principle in conscious parenting. No, which boundaries are set in stone, those are the ones we need to teach our children. Which boundaries are non-negotiable? And which ones are. So for you, Lorena, in that moment in time, it was non-negotiable that a child that you didn't know could bring probably a threat to your family. I was basically
0: saving my dad's right. life. Right. In my mind, I was with a sword. Yes.
2: Saving my dad. <laughs> so, you know, in a way you were doing what you were supposed to be doing, but then you were out of your comfort zone because you felt like the bad guy. And you started thinking, you know, what what is this child feeling? And I'm so, so sorry. So that's when I go to my childhood. That's when you go to your childhood. Why did this child overreacting? Which what that is another thing. I had to teach her the lesson, you know, yes. of respecting boundaries. But then I but went down and sat you? down, and I was like having a
0: lot of gut reactions of what had just happened. And that what does it mean childhood. if Marisa thinks I was not nice? Yes. And what does it mean if I was a grumpy lady that you know doesn't lend shovels and what if and what if
2: so you start in this negative cycle you got you, if you got a reaction in yourself if your gut feeling got triggered as in a symptom there is a story behind it always
0: well there is
2: like there's a saying a cartole has it when there is anger there is always pain underneath i agree always when there is a gut feeling there is something behind it. There's a story behind it. Only you know the answers. What did that boundary, placing a boundary to a child and trying to go back to me and give me an explanation meant to you in that moment in time that you had, you you know, you you couldn't be the lovely Lorena, the people pleaser. Yeah. I'm always concerned
0: that I I never want to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. and that plays out in
2: my life constantly. That is a pattern. That is a pattern. That is a pattern, and you will are recognize good your and bad patterns. patterns. They're patterns. They just are, and oh. they follow you everywhere you go until you dare to recognize them and say, "Hey, pattern, hi, you're showing up." <laughs> <laughs> we all have patterns, but you need to be conscious about it. Childhood emotional wounds or trauma doesn't have to be something major. People think that trauma has to be with capital T, like being molested or losing a loved one. Childhood trauma or emotional wounds are as simple as not feeling loved, not feeling heard, not feeling worthy, not feeling validated for who you are. So what happens? We learn in time that we cannot be ourselves. We learn that we need to make up for being another version of ourselves. So that way we would feel that we are loved. We will feel important in our life. So that's the ultimate trauma. Not feeling loved, not not feeling heard, not feeling validated by our loved ones and, and what once, does a child need? So that's the first step to our friends listening.
0: I'm assuming a lot of us might have felt that at one, one point in time where you say, I just feel invisible or mm-hmm. I'm not being heard. So if someone is stuck in that situation, you would invite them to do what? What would be the immediate, like, to acknowledge a specific situation or I just want them to start a path of healing because we're here to do that. What books
2: would you recommend? The Dr. Shefali's book. Um... Dr. Shefali's books. She has, she has parenting books and she has a new, a new book that is not about parenting. It's mostly about awakening. And they really help you to go back and try to understand why are you feeling this way in the present? What does this mean to you? We could, we could ask, an ex- we, we could say an example. You feel lonely. You feel lonely all the time. You feel lonely at work. You feel lonely with your spouse. You feel lonely with your children. Why do you feel lonely? Have you felt lonely since you were a child? Or have you never not felt lonely? Or have you never, yeah. So you need to try. What I would recommend is just how are you feeling and ask yourself when did this start? When did this feeling start? It didn't start today. The present moment is just triggering that feeling. The present moment is bringing you back in time to where everything started. And do you need to work with that person specifically or it's just inner work? You need to work with yourself.
0: I think that's fascinating and empowering. So, my friends, remember it is our experience, the only one we can control. We cannot control the outer world. For in for example, on my book on the way to Casalotus, I talk about forgiveness being a way to move forward. I cannot control if the doctor learned a lesson or if he didn't, or if he did, what what were they? I need to release any expectations, have closure, and say From now on, I build my future, I move forward, and that way you see life as a promising loving one versus one of loss, fear,
2: and uncertainty. Right, right. Yeah, the important thing is just try to empower yourself. Get the reins of your life. Try to understand what is happening inside of you and where does this come from? And it has it has its origin. Its origin is in childhood. In your childhood, wounds are showing up today in whatever challenge challenge you have in front of you.
0: And you all have filters. Renu, my mentor taught me that if you put the same family in the same lighthouse at the top, they would all see different things. I would say, look at the vast ocean. Maybe my mother would see, look at the sunset. Uh, my sister, did you notice the f- rock formations? And the another one would say, "Look at the birds in the air. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly the same balcony with the exact same view, but we all focus on different things, right. So I feel this consciousness is being aware that we're all human beings with a human experience. And that we don't have to compare our stories to the ones next to each other. Right. We're just in that balcony, exploring what we're looking at, and we can share our experiences. But we cannot force, like no, the water is the most important, or nope, mountains are the most important ones. And I think there's balance to that. And and we need a little bit of everything in the world, right? Right. So if we just saw each other as a growing opportunity. I think we would be in a much better place, in more of a collaborative society versus who's right and who's wrong.
2: Uh, We should stop competing with each other. I think nobody's competing with nobody. We're all dealing our own inner demons. And whatever is showing up for you, I cannot judge it. I don't know what you're going through. And I'm dealing with other stuff, you know. So... When you make a conscious practice to yourself, you develop empathy to yourself. With that empathy to yourself, you start having empathy for others. Describe empathy. Empathy could be self-love, not blaming yourself for what happened. Empathy could be understanding your reactions. Why are you so overprotective? Why are you so maybe so rigid? Why are you so over-controlling? Now you understand why. Because you developed that personality as a survival self in the past. That is called your ego. And that personality has served you for so many years. It has helped you cope with life. It has helped you understand who you try to understand who you are. It has helped you feel good enough. So it has given you a lot of things. It has gotten you this far, but maybe today you're over-controlling. Your rigidness doesn't serve you well anymore. You need to say goodbye. You need to hug it. You need to say, thank you. Thank you, rigidness. You got me this far today, but today you don't serve me well. That is compassion. You're not just punishing yourself more. You're understanding that you develop this rigidness for a reason. And that for now on or maybe in this moment, you're just going to put it in the backseat and use connection, compassion, love, because love to yourself will will translate to love to your husband, to your friend, to your co-worker, whoever you are with. What about severe crisis mm-hmm. like suicidal thoughts or, for
0: example, I when I was going through all my health troubles? I felt like such a burden because it was not just like a month thing. It was years, and I'm still in that process. So I, I tend to keep things to myself, never prioritize or never want to be a burden, let's call it.
2: So would that Has be... Has this been a pattern in, in your life? Yes. Uh, being in the backseat? Yes. Okay. So you recognize. I uh-huh. This is a pattern hey, pattern is showing up. I don't like to be the center stage of attention. My priorities will be in the second position because right now my family is dealing with too much. So how would you break that pattern? By asking for help. Yes. And that takes courage. You don't do it naturally. You have to fake it. You, have you to- know what? And
0: actually it's fear-based because I'm afraid they will say we can't. Because we have this, 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 this. You're this. afraid of
2: rejection. I'm afraid of rejection. Right. Correct. So that is an inner child wound, rejection. You develop this persona of being in the backseat in order to not feel rejection.
0: And then there comes some entitlement mm-hmm. and I get angry and I say, I've done everything right. Why did this happen to me? Right. I have a good marriage. I raised good kids. I have been involved in the community. I've done everything um,
2: right. for I've God done sake.
0: everything right. Why did this happen for me? Okay, it happened. It evolved. I forgave. But then again, I still don't put myself in a position where I can tell people, stop doing what you're doing and take me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I still, oh, no, no, I'll drive. Yes, You know, I need to be either... On the ground to ask for help. And so asking for help
2: is it's actually... It's healing for you. It's its uh, something I need to heal. Right. I'm in the process of that. Now you have to reframe it. When I ask for help, I am healing. It's not when I am asking for help, I am unstable. I'm... I'm vulnerable. I'm not good enough. I'm
0: No, for me, it's I'm not doing well.
2: I'm right? dying. No. So it's like more of a mechanic. You need to shift the meaning of asking for help. Asking for help is me growing myself up because once in in a lifetime ago, I said, I'm never going to ask for help. It's like covering your eyes and say, I'm invisible. One day. That's basically what I'm doing. When you were, I don't know how much years old, you said, I'm not going to ask for help. And you've been doing that.
0: Because I'm like, I have friends, I have this, I have that. I'm, I I live so many privileges. How can I complain if that's, that's how actually it's pretty sad that I would say because kids in Africa are hungry. Mm-hmm. And I remember going mm-hmm. to a, a therapist and he told me, you need to focus on your ticking bombs. I understand you feel for the Africans, but your ticking bomb is... Get back home and nurse your baby. Right. And that's when I kind of understood that you cannot carry the world's
2: burdens. No.
0: You can only do what you do with with you. You with cannot control the your... kids in
2: Africa. Correct. But you can control you. Yes.
0: Not so, even your kids. You no. can
2: control you. you. So thinking about the kids in Africa is just an excuse not to feel what you're feeling and deal with it. Not to show up and say, okay, I'm suffering. Because saying that means a lot. Doing that, asking for help, raising your hand, you feel, you feel so vulnerable, you won't allow yourself because it comes from a childhood wound. I agree. Yeah. So and it's, it's like it's finish your now.
0: food because there's hungry people in the world. That traumatized me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even learn it at, at my house, I learned it at a friend's house. And my parents were more about balanced, colorful plates, okay. you know, like veggies and fruit. And, and uh, we had a cow in our garden because that way he could control the milk. Oh, and, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember guilt being a, uh, my best friend. I would always feel guilty by being blessed and being in so much abundance. Like, why me mm-hmm. instead of why not me?
2: Right. Right. And that comes down to belief systems. Feel guilty when you're abundant. Don't show others that you have too much. Is this work an evolution of the soul? Of course.
0: So are we doing the work for humanity or we're doing just the work for
2: you? You're doing the work for you that will reflect back on humanity. When you do the work for you, you will give the best of you to others. When you love yourself, you will be able to love others. When you give yourself permission, you will get, give permission to others. Yeah. So it all starts with you.
0: And with Casa Lodos, we talk about this is a way to move forward with the best version of you. Right. And I would like my friends to understand that best version doesn't mean perfect. No. It means humble. It means vulnerable. Loving. It means loving. Embracing yes. your story, and, whatever it is. And I think that if we all open up and even find some humor behind it, Mm -hmm. I think that is very healing. And everything that you've said makes me wonder, I've actually been harsh towards my parents. I've been very judgmental towards my parents. I feel sadness that I didn't have the, the tools to see them with compassion and that they're also learning through us. So this is a way of me saying, If I ever hurt them that I'm sorry, that if I've ever judged them or pointed at them for not being present, for not being there for me, I'm actually being immature because I'm not acknowledging that they're also so human as I am. Right. And they have their fears and they have their childhood wounds. So I think this is so beautiful because right now I was only focusing on me with future generations. But we cannot forget about our parents also being as human as we are. And they also have that inner child wound and they also hurt. So I think to all our friends and Marisa, thank you for teaching me this. I need to be more compassionate and more understanding.
2: But when you understand your story, you understand your parents' story. When When you start to understand where you come from, who you are today from your childhood, then you start to understand your parents and your parents actually they did a great job i mean given the circumstances where they come from We're i am so sure blessed. i am sure they just did an upgrade to their circumstances and gave you the best they had given the circumstances and i don't know any parent that wouldn't give the best that they have to their children they truly give their best of what they have in their baggage. So when you have compassion and you understand from a loving place that when you mess your children up, you did it from a loving place. And whatever you felt, whatever you experienced through childhood, your parents did it as well. They did it with whatever resources they had, with how they were brought up, thinking this was the best for you. And
0: it's so beautiful with when we launched the book. I want to share that my heroes, my selfless selfless heroes, Dr. Perrier and Dr. Blevins, they came to the book launch and I was so surprised and humbled because I didn't expect that from them. Uh, She traveled from Houston and I followed up with them. I sent them some books so they could share with their family because their family was not there to witness the beautiful impact they had created. There were hundreds of people like shedding tears. And I told my doctor, like, I just feel your family needs to know. And he told me, oh, I did. I went to read it to my 94 year old parents. Wow. And that really touched me because for him, he's still a kid. Mm -hmm. He still wants to please his parents. right? And I was like, oh my gosh, he was actually thinking like I was. I want my parents' approval. And he wanted to share to his parents, I did something good in the world. And parallel to that, then I go with Dr. Perrier and she traveled to go to her mother and organize a book club. And all of them were reading the book. And she said, Thank you because I could share with I I made my mama very proud. Wow, and I was so impressed that it didn't I don't mean it didn't trickle down, but there's still kids inside, right. And they still want to show to their parents that they're that they're good human beings, and that get, made me feel my parents.
2: Yes, because we have that the need of feeling loved and feeling belonging in our pack. Always.
0: And knowing that you added and that you put your little grain of salt in the world.
2: Yes, yes. Now, there is something, a concept in consciousness that is releasing your parents. Releasing your parents, what does that mean? It means that right now, in this moment in time, you can tell them, hey, mom and dad, you can have a breakdown. You did your best. You're 70 years old, 80 years old, 60 years old. I mean, for God's sake, what job lasts for that long? But I think that's natural. Yes, like- but in a way telling them, I got this. I can validate myself now. I feel okay in my own skin. I don't need you to say this, you to say that. Mom, I mean, you're off the hook. Do whatever you like. Go to Hawaii, do whatever you like. Right now, I can take care of myself. And this is is a, a mature way of telling your parents you did everything you could for 40 plus years. I mean, you did your job. So I invite taller listeners,
0: open up those roads, those avenues of forgiveness, of love, of compassion. And remember that there's nothing wrong with feeling guilt. There's nothing wrong with all these negative thoughts towards you. The good thing is you're acknowledging them, and just by doing that, you're already starting the path to healing.
1: Lorena Junco Margaine, passionate art collector, devoted wife and mother, is already shaken after fleeing Mexico with her family while pregnant due to concerns for their safety. After arriving in her new home in Austin, Texas, she learns she has a tumor on her adrenal gland. Although not life-threatening, the condition is serious and requires surgery right away. Having long-experienced unexplained symptoms of dizziness and lethargy that neither medications nor holistic or Ayurvedic treatments have helped, she embraces the news with tears of relief. With a simple surgery, she can regain her strength and joyful spirit. But fate can be mischievous, and to err is human, even for surgeons. Rather than improve after surgery, her condition worsens. On the way to Casalotus is the gripping true story of Hunka Margain's journey coming to terms with the permanent consequences of a surgeon's devastating mistake. Mindful that even good people make errors and that vengeance such as legal action would not mend her broken body or soul, she chooses instead to embark on a quest for peace and healing, beginning by seeking space in her heart to forgive. You can get your copy of On the Way to Casa Lotus on Amazon or at com.
0: After feeling I had to fight for life and everything was going wrong, the last thing I just had to do was surrender. There was nothing else I could do. I had already called all the right doctors, hospitals, became an expert in anatomy, uh, alternative medicine, holistic, functional, meditation. I did it all. And then I suddenly just clicked and I said, you know what? If i meant to be alive, I'll be alive. And if not, I cannot do anything about it because I've been doing and nothing is happening and I'm just getting really anxious about not be seeing my kids grow up. I was very anxious about failing Eduardo. I was very anxious about even, I mean, I was so fragile that driving my kids to school was like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. That's how fragile I was. And I was not honoring that part. I was just honoring my the intellectual Lorena. It's when I put together that I'm in a frail body with a strong mind, but that doesn't mean you're entitled to life or to ent- or or not. yes or not so i just said this is to the point where i just need to kneel surrender and say let life unfold because anyway it'll do mm-hmm. even if you acknowledge it or you don't but
2: i kind of took ownership to surrendering with pride and when you surrender you can i know you you will be with me it's when the magic happens. That's when the magic happens. That's when the magic happens. Why? Because you're not clinging. You're not holding on to anything. You're just flowing. You're just accepting. You're just embracing whatever the result is meant to be. Whatever happens, you're with it. You're just, you know, surfing the wave. Yeah. And I think that is wisdom. You you got into the point to just accepting things as they are, accepting yourself where you're at. There's a beautiful
0: saying about um, Byron Katie. She does a beautiful work. It's called The Work, actually, and, and her book is called Loving What Is. Mm. Like, just live the moment, and that that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. I highly encourage our friends, especially if you like digging deep and understanding how is it that you participate, you need to understand that, hey, it's not all about you. <laughs> Life yes. will unfold, surrender, and good things and it's do shift, happen. It's
2: a shift from what should to what is. It's just as Dr. Shafali says, accepting the as is. When you get to that point, everything changes. Everything changes for yourself and everything changes to the ones that surround you. So how could we put this in a
0: bigger context, not going into family, but mm-hmm. going into being good citizens? You and I, we share a common background. We're from Monterrey. Life put us in the U.S. for uh, different reasons, but somehow we have been very engaged in the community, made amazing friends. We've given back And I think that we're both very aware of keeping our roots. You know, we still cook Mexican at home Mm -hmm. and kids speak Spanish at home. But how would you perceive, let's say, the consciousness behind being an immigrant versus a consciousness of being born in America? Do you see differences there or is it something very personal of how you process belonging?
2: I think it's accepting where you come from. Accepting your story, accepting your past, uh, accepting the circumstances that brought you to another country and embracing them and understanding that they integrate. Somehow where you come from has has some importance for you and you are planting a seed here. You have some difference to make here with your own Uh, signature we can say yes i mean just even
0: little things that i can measure all of my kids kids are now into mexican not tex-mex like Mm. real mexican food and they love blancas tacos and they eat beans without the sugar and like i feel like i'm kind of sharing the best side of 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 my country, you know, Mm -hmm. of my country of origin. And another thing that comes to mind is that love multiplies. It doesn't divide. So I feel fully Mexican and I feel fully American and I'm very grateful for that. But to understand that you can have both, there's a lot of
2: work. Of course, because you are integrating both. You need to have tolerance. You don't have a division inside of yourself. You're seeing the similarities. You're seeing that we're all human beings. You're seeing that we have more in common than what we have different, you know? Yes. Even, you know, when I had my second
0: child, uh, one of the neighbors said, oh, wow, she's very fair. Mm. And in my innocence, I didn't know what fair meant. I remember going back home, looked the word up, and it meant light-skinned. And I was surprised because... It's not about the white or black, but I was surprised that was a comment.
2: Yes. They had another expectation had a Mexican
0: child. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So I think that we've also been teachers of, you know, the world is bigger than what we think. Mm -hmm. And for our Mexican friends, they're like, and what do you do? Speak English all day? And you're like, they're amazing. I've made my best friends. They're actually coming to Padre. I want you to, you know, I want to across two communities, and that's been happening. Uh, Yesterday, uh, little Eddie's best friend arrived, and his dad said, hey, I've been in contact with one of your friends I met at the book launch. And Mm. I'm like, that would have never happened if we hadn't opened up and be vulnerable and also adapt to the rules of, for example, we hug and kiss tremendously, and here there's more physical boundaries. So. You know, you you just find the humor in it and say, "I'm so sorry, I was hugging this your is what husband it is. all the time. You know, <laughs>
2: it's not personal. It's who it's I am. It's not personal. Right. That's how now, I Now, the, grew the up. beauty thing is that you're integrating inside of yourself, Lorena. When you're integrating your life, you can see integration in the outside because you see that the rest of the people, even though they don't have your same culture or they don't have your same roots, they're going through exact same challenges, or they're going through the same self-discovery that you are going through. So as you integrate your own inner landscape, you can see more integration in your outer world. So that is consciousness. You know, it brings you back and forward. When you work on yourself and you bring back the, the scope into your heart, then you can do that to the ones that surround you, even though we come from totally different circumstances. I guess...
0: The main thing is we all connect to our own humanity. Right. And I think there's also something very powerful of saying, I only know I know nothing, Mm -hmm. but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to explore and I'm willing to admit I have made mistakes. And just by saying that, it's like clean slate, start the day.
2: It's surrender again. Surrender. It comes back to surrender. It comes back to surrender, of course. And accepting the as is, you know, accepting what is showing up in your life and trying to learn from it, trying to understand what is the next step? What is this trying to teach me? It seems to
0: be we have to be attuned, finding signs, signals, gifts, could you share with me the meditation you just told
2: me oh, about Oh, yes. That? Well, in everyday life, we don't need to be masters at meditation, but there are small meditations. Uh, I love Thich Hans meditation. It's called the red light meditation. And it's simply about when you are stuck in traffic and you bump into a red light instead of pulling out your phone or seeing, you know, your messages or doing whatever. Just take a moment to to breathe. Take a moment to feel the breath getting inside of you, feeling your belly, leaving your body, and do it again. It would be maybe 30 seconds. It would be one minute. But I guarantee you that that minute will make a difference in how you perceive the things that are surrounding you. The rest of the day. Because you're grounding yourself. You're going back into your heart and you're feeling... You're starting to see that there is a separation between your thoughts and your being. Correct. You know, back to Teach Nahan, he's a
0: magnificent philosopher, and my admiration for him is tremendous. On the book I write about, I actually start by saying, No, no mud, no lotus. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be murky waters and like very soggy, dirty. Soil for something beautiful to blossom. So I prefer living life that way, mm-hmm. that you'll have hardships, but there will be things that blossom and there comes the element of time. Yes. And I think that we are living in moments we, where, when we have immediate gratification in so many things. Mm-hmm. Talk about Amazon, right? Right. So I think there's a clash between the reality of Why am not getting? Why am I not getting this instant results? Instant results in my relationships, in my friendships, in my because we can get books, clothes, you know, whenever you you click the button, right? And I think it's very important us as a community and as a whole humanity that we need to understand that time is also healing because we need to take that red light to breathe. Right. And say, I'm alive. It doesn't matter. You know, you cannot control the future, but you're living in the moment.
2: Time has its purpose. And time is perfect for everyone. You will not understand it until you have lived it and see it back into perspective. But you will see time has its wisdom. And when you're not ready to make a decision, just sit on it. Sit for some, some, some time. You need time. And that is a, a teaching in consciousness coaching. We need the power of pause. The power of pause will be a great ally to anybody. We're so conditioned, like you said right now, to instant gratification. If we have an impulse, we immediately react. So it's just reaction, impulse, react, impulse, react. We never take time. We never make a little pause to try to understand how am I feeling? What's going on for me? Why do I have an instant urge to scream? Why do I have an instant urge to just shut everything down or to hide or to, you know, whatever is your instant urge, just take a moment and don't do anything about it. Nothing will happen. Nothing. Nothing. And I've learned,
0: I remember pitching my book to a person that I respected a lot. This is many years ago, like three years before I decided I could do it alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why don't we do a movie? And my friend said, not yet. Mm. And that's when I clicked. The story was not ready. No, you were not it, ready. I was not ready. You needed the book first, or not? You never. I'll know. see whatever happens. Right. But the not yet seems very comforting. It's That's like a I see phrase. you. I acknowledge you, but this is not the moment. Not yet. Versus no. Right. It just viscerally feels so different, and I've applied that with my daughter. She wants a cell phone. And the answer is not yet. Right. And it's beautiful. I'm not beautiful. saying no. I'm saying the possibility is there, but there's timing for that.
2: And what you're telling her is that I know you want a phone. I know it's important to you. I'm on it, but I think you're not ready. It's not even, she's not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready, right? I'm not ready to deal with it. So give me time. But I Why? know Because there's there.
0: fear behind this. Of course. Because you know there's predators, because you know there's... Pictures that can get you in trouble, and I want her to have a mature -er brain, you know? And is it fear based? Yes, but grounded in reality and facts. So, and you're very connected to yourself.
2: Yes. You truly know why you're saying that not yet. And if you're expressing that to your child, everything changes. Everything changes. You're not just giving an order. And even my youngest, he says,
0: but are you willing to consider it? And I'm like, of course. Mm -hmm. And they go skipping
2: back to what they were doing because they feel heard. Seen, heard, acknowledged. They know you have that written down, you know, in the board of things
0: to do. Thank you, Marisa and my friends. We will have another episode going deeper and deeper in different ways that we can become better human beings and give our very best version of us to the world.
1: Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Hunko margain We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaJunkoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. Special thanks to executive producer Casey Helmick, studio engineer Joseph Olguin, audio and video editor Scott Caro. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas.